Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing a Washington, D.C.-based American self-taught artist. Please welcome Charlie Viscanedge. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? It's going, it's going all right. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. So I want to start off with some questions. Um, since we got all of the niceties out of the way, I like to like to kind of half-ass it with the niceties. Hey, how are you <laughs> moving into the real stuff? <laughs> well, you know, it's like you want to save it uh, on air, right? You don't want to say anything too interesting uh, before we're really doing the show. Yeah, I try to be as white bread and bland as possible. I am untoasted toast before the, before the show. <laughs> no but, but now what are you? You're I, like, like a nice brioche. I'm a nice brioche. Um, unbuttered though. Unbuttered. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay dry. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're starting off a podcast describing ourselves as bread. That's what we're doing. <laughs> uh, so as we get into it, uh, I want to, I want to start off really early with the um, vital stats. Give us the vital stats. What's your background and um, what currently inspires you? What, what inspires Charlie? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm 35 years old. Living. <laughs> I know. Same. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, like fine wine, baby. That's um, <laughs> what I tell myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 35 years old. I'm married. I live in DC. No children, but we have a dog, and I think it's going to stay that way. Um, and yeah, I would. So I have been painting since about 2013 ish. Um, and before that I did a lot of performance stuff in DC. So I, I did improv very poorly. And then, um, for a little over a year, I had a live talk show, like on stage, um, nice. mostly at the DC art center that I did with a bunch of friends where we made no money, but had a lot of fun. And now a lot of those same people I know in other capacities, you know, a few have stayed in the comedy world, but others have gone on to be videographers, graphic designers, all kinds of awesome stuff. And so some of them I still am in touch with, with art things, especially um, shout out, you know, specifically my friend, Jeff Ray also lives in DC and he's turned into an amazing videographer, music video director, um, photographer, and has helped me out on a bunch of stuff. Um, so, but getting back to your original question, so I started, started painting in 2013, 2014. Um, and I think started taking it more seriously in 2015, you know, it just started as kind of like, it was kind of done the performing thing, but still had ideas and things to get out. So I think a lot of my work started very kind of like silly, very cutesy, but it was kind of like in the genre of what I would call like art about nothing, or let's call it paintings about nothing. I don't know if it could really be art yet at that point, because there was kind of, it was just getting it out. You got to get a lot out. And I think, um, I, I have had to get out a lot of stuff before I could get to anything that I still think is good. Um, you know, that being said, occasionally, you know, I'll look back on a thing that I did, or I have a lot of older pieces still in stock and see those and be like, wow, how did I do that then? You know, it wasn't all crap or anything like that. It's just more like, you know, not having been an art school person, I don't, you know, there's, you're not given like assignments. It's all self-directed. So it's kind of like, you just follow what interests you in that moment. And then um, kind of more recently, I would say end of 2019, beginning of 2020, 
kind of a figured out a new style that is these kind of head portraits that are very intense and very kind of neon colored. And that was sort of a result of, I was in Japan for a residency and my wife joined me right as COVID was kind of breaking out um, worldwide. And we were kind of like, oh, is this going to be a thing? Um, and people in Japan wear masks. It's part of their culture anyway. So it's like, everything was still open, you yeah. know? So we were not super worried. Um, and a lot of kind of my color palette and things like that were really influenced by this town I was living in. So it's like, if you think of there's DC and there's Rockville, there's Tokyo. And then there was where we were staying called Matsudo, um, which was like a Tokyo suburb to you and I would look still very densely urban, like yeah. a lot of tall buildings. But then on one side, there was like a big lake, you know, I, I like, I like to run. So I'd like go running around this lake every morning. Um, and it was a cool place. It was like a lot of very vibrant colors and cool signs and stuff like that. And I kind of incorporated a lot of those into the colors that I ended up bringing back with me to kind of focus on these just portraits of people's heads and then their kind of inner desires or in the case of Japan. And if I have a live subject, it's something they tell me or that I try to incorporate into the text part. I dig it. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I, I started going over um, just some of the images from your, um, I guess, from your, your catalog and, and just just to intersect real quick and we can still finish finish off that piece. But, yeah, I I dug it and I definitely got it. I got I, I before I even read about or even knew that there was any Japanese anything attached to it. I was getting that vibe off of it for some reason. I don't know why, but it was just like there. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is also, I mean, I've been three times, you know, nothing super unique about like a white person who likes going to Japan necessarily, <laughs> but, um, you know, this is the only life that I'm living. I'm not living any other nerd white person life. Um, so I can only speak <laughs> to my own experience, but I think the thing that pops out to me, the first time I went, it was really overwhelming truly the degree of advertising that is like on every surface. Have you been before? I've not. I'm, I want to go. Yeah. You should, you should definitely go. It's a blast, but like, you know, you're riding the from the airport to kind of then connect to downtown. And it's like everywhere you look, it is ads, but they're very vibrant. They're often very funny on some trains. There's also video ads in addition to like window cling ads and it's stuff that everybody can understand because it's physical comedy or whatever, trying to sell you a, a cell phone or skincare or something. Um, so I think that aesthetic, like, you know, I, I'm not dealing in subtlety ever and I don't ever, I don't really want to be obviously, but I think that kind of aesthetic of like, bam, in your face, because, you know, it's densely populated. I think, I mean, again, I'm not an anthropologist or whatever, not professional, but my, my amateur read on it is like, you know, it is a dense population. Every ad is fighting for, you know, eyeballs and mind share. So they, maybe that is how they came to be very like over the top and funny and colorful. Um, but I found myself, yeah, taking in restaurant signs, advertising, things like that to influence my own, you know, just kind of like go balls to the wall with it because, you know, to me, I want to make something that's on a wall if it's next to something else that somebody like stops and it's arresting to them. Even if they don't really like it, I think I would only be more upset if they was like, yeah, I saw it. It's fine. <laughs> like that, that would cut me more than anything. I think. 
like eh, it exists it's a it's a thing right like damn that's ice cold yeah um i like i watch japanese wrestling um new japan pro wrestling and every now and again they will intersect and i've gone to some of the live shows too and oh, they cool. have like they had these really like odd sponges that was like a giveaway Okay. The shows and it's essentially like one of those like magic erase kind of kind of deals. Oh, okay. But the 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 sponge has a logo that's like a mascot of the sponge in a cape, and it has like the eyes, and it has like the wrestler on it with it. But it's very uh. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but that packaging is something that I want. Oh, they're giving these away. I'm not gonna use it to clean anything, but. I was like the the advertising is very similar in the way you were describing what you saw on the uh, the training out there and, and yeah China. yeah absolutely so I think that definitely influenced the kind of start of the collection that I'm in now so kind of the best of those I've kind of packaged as calling positive fury so it's like I I think that I have kind of a high energy but you know hopefully positive attitude but still kind of this intensity behind. Um, you know, the pieces that fit under that. So it's kind of like the bulging eyeballs, the sort of like clenched jaw. Um, a lot of them are like screaming or yelling. And I think that that is like, I would like, I mean, I speak very loudly anyway. Um, but I, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm a loud cartoony person, um, when I can be. And so I think the pieces are kind of magnifying that out even more. I dig it. It's funny. I, I, I immediately, as I think, because I have a logo behind me that's just yeah. like this embodied head, and I always think about what my my um, co-host and my other podcast would say whenever I take my glasses off, my eyes disappear, and <laughs> I'm trying to think like, how would I look in your work with those bulging eyes? I was like, I don't have eyes. I was like, I just wouldn't ever be immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd have like you know big old glasses, but maybe they'd be on top, and then you know. <laughs> That'd be great. And even even the, the pictures that like and kind of doing the research on your that that kind of positive energy sticks out too, even in how you present yourself in pictures and even the attire that you're wearing. I was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, not to sound corny, but this is almost on brand with the <laughs> the colors that I'm seeing and the work that you're putting out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a friend. So I, I know you had Emin on the show and uh, she is a great artist friend. She's much closer. We, we are also friends. Danny Green is this other artist. And so I'm glad to hear you say that because Danny was saying to me recently, you know, she's went full time recently and she finally feels like she can dress the way that she's felt on the inside. Yeah. And so I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, but I think definitely for shows or anything, I'm trying to be big, colorful, friendly, you know, um, I have flat feet, but I have a lot of like loud shoes that I like to wear. They're not very comfortable. <laughs> like I have these yellow, they're like Caterpillar brand, but they're not like work boots. They're like, um, high tops or whatever. Terrible for my feet, but I love wearing them out to like an art show or like some other, some other just stuff like that, where it's kind of like, I want to be noticed. Sorry. My dog is like scratching on the other side there, but, um, yeah, I want to, I want to mirror the work, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to wear all black and fade into the background or anything. It's, it's hard for me and sometimes uh, going out and being art adjacent. So going to art talks and hosting art talks and, uh, and doing studio visits like the one I did with Emin. And 
it's like i don't know what to wear like carhartt is just comfortable for me i just yeah it's kind of becoming a meme lately but i think like that's not your fault (laughs) you like what you like and i try not to go extra because it was one day i had on a knit a shirt a hoodie and overalls and uh some doc martin boots uh, the basquiat doc martin boots I was oh like, yeah i am a cartoon character <laughs> and then i'm six four so it oh it's yeah just a lot of everything <laughs> fellow fellow tall dude i feel ya. <laughs> so i read that in your childhood you were told by peers that you were a bad drawer shame on them screw them i know shame and, on them <laughs> and uh and you believed it for a while and um a friend convinced you otherwise so what resonated with you from that friend that kind of made you pursue this means of expression like oh, something that ultimately you loved yeah so i i'm lucky to have you know when i was starting out kind of a fr- friend mentor matt ciso who's a dc artist he's maybe but he's older school you know he was kind of like or i want to say he's maybe 55 now but still very prolific so is his wife dana ellen um but you know they've lived in dc like in the mid 80s onward so seen all kinds of shit um but he's an incredibly talented guy very successful and i think he was a guest on my show so that's how i knew him you know had had him on a couple times because i'm sure you know like you're saying you moderate artist talks not all artists are good speakers or like an entertaining kind of guest but matt really has like a big personality to back up his work. And so that kind of drew me to him and we would hang out. I would say this is not uh, telling stories out of school, but for them, drinking is a big part of their creative process. Um, It's not necessarily for me, but Matt and I would, you know, at the time he had a separate studio in Adams Morgan and I lived pretty close by. So I would just go over there and we drank and painted. Like he invited me to come join him and hang out and, you know, listen to music and talk. I'm, I'm a gamer. He's also a gamer. So we kind of connected on that level, but I think Matt's encouragement really helped me kind of be like, you know, because I, I kind of thought like, well, it's gotta be all inside the lines and pretty and colors. And I, didn't even have any kind of notion of art stuff much at that point. I kind of like know what I liked. I like graphic novel kind of stuff. And, you know, we talked about advertising. That's always kind of stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But just, I think being encouraged by Matt and then having him help me out on just sort of like, what do I even buy to like, try this. Um, So I think that helped um, for my wife and I used to live in a, two bedroom apartment. And so for a little bit, I took over the second bedroom painting and then spilled a little bit of paint on the carpet. Um, one morning when I was coming, coming down off of a, is a, the day after some Molly time. Um, so I was like not feeling great. And I spilled some paint on the carpet and she was so nice, but she was like, you got to find another place <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to take your work, which is totally fair. It's taking yeah. over her space too. Um, so then I moved to a studio space in Tacoma park, DC art studios, which, which still exists in a slightly different format. They like moved a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at that space for a long time. It was great, but it was just, it was kind of great in my journey to be like, okay, well, I've got a day job so I can afford this while I'm selling things sporadically and kind of figuring it out, but also just having a place where you can make a mess. I think is also encouraging because at home you are hope try to be a little bit more restrained when you're making stuff there. Um, and I think, yeah, just kind of being around other artists gave me more confidence and nobody, 
the thing that I found is kind of like as much as I enjoyed being in the comedy world, you know, hanging out with a bunch of depressed people who are, you know, whether it is an improv team or standups, I, I've never really done standup, but I've been a bit among them. And it's kind of like, it's a lot of competition for not very many slots mm-hmm. versus art. People are like, okay, you're an artist. Cool. Like nobody's like checking your credentials or whatever. It's like, Oh, what are you working on? You know, yeah. for them, I would say, you know, 99% of my experiences in that way, especially starting out were super positive and then just kind of slowly finding other people who are doing cool stuff that you feel like you resonate with. So I feel like, you know, a, a lot of, since I've been at this kind of a while and not always in a profitable way. Um, I think the biggest learning thing for me has been like trying to cultivate art friends. Um, not that I didn't think I needed them, but it was just more like, wait, how do you do that? And I mean, you know, thankfully with Instagram and stuff, sometimes just reaching out to people and being like, Hey, could I, you know, see your studio sometime or like show me what you're working on. People are super happy to share with you in that way. And it's not like high pressure or whatever. And you get to know people more. Um, so it's kind of a meandering answer to your question. No, but, but I think you, I think you keyed in on something that was like really, really big and resonated with me there where, finding finding those friends that are kind of in that spot because people who i think are creating especially in a self-taught diy sort of thing because like podcasters we're always in this kind of spot to justify our existence as creators or what have you and people like what do you do what do you i don't get i don't get what you do so it's almost like you're living this like a cyclical like imposter syndrome sort of thing sure so finding connecting with people to do like an interview like this, like, hey, I promise you I'm legit or, you know, hey, like, hey, let's be friends after this. And sure. know, sometimes it doesn't always really match up. Like, I think so. I record this podcast when it's not on Zoom at a comedy club. So I definitely. Oh, that's cool. What, what you're getting at definitely has the improv. They focus on improv. And um, but you don't like, I don't like to hang out with other podcasters. I've, I'm really interested in the people who are business owners in the people who are artists and learning about that. So it's like extending friendship and being able to, I think, make me a better podcaster by learning the processes from artists. I think yeah. that's a thing for me. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. I guess I got to wonder. It's also like, you know, if somebody else is trying to do, uh, true crime, which is a very saturated podcast genre. You're yes, like, I don't know if we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, this person got murdered. It's like, sure. Like, man, that's a dark story, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, as, as a person that's, I like, I, right now I do two other podcasts outside of this. So it's oh, like, cool. I'm very all podcasts all the time. So yeah. this, this right here serves as uh kind of departure from it, even though it's, it's work and you're, you gotta be on and all of that. But it's a departure from you just kind of having this fully scripted thing that you're working on and you're really very much in your specific lane. Yeah. But but in it, let, let's talk about um, let's talk about your process, but pay, paying special attention to um, your approach to painting. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, sort of pandemic permitting, um, I generally just it, it kind of goes two ways. Sometimes I think about the text first where, you know, you just kind of, by being in the studio a lot, I guess, to step back, you are kind of priming your mind to then think about it a lot when you're not there. 
I, I believe at least for me. So, you know, pre pandemic, I was like getting up the crack of dawn and going like three days a week for a couple hours, maybe sometimes on a Saturday and the results were just okay. Um, plus being sort of sleep deprived, but it was kind of like my nine to five was what it was. The studio space that I belonged to was pretty far away from my house. Like things were just not clicking enough, but I didn't really realize it because it's kind of like, it was the way that it worked for me. And I'm not a big night person, um, which I know a lot of artists are, but I'm like, I'm trying to be in bed by 10 o'clock. And that's the very latest, like have my, have my melatonin gummy and I'm going to be out. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm 30. Listen, I'm 35 listeners. Um, this is, this is the mileage life puts on your body. But so when the, you know, we come back from Japan and the job that I had at the time was like, Hey, we need you to quarantine for two weeks. And I was like, sick. Sounds good. And, um, then I was just in my studio every day and I was like, Oh man, this is dope. And had changed jobs. I've actually changed jobs twice during the pandemic, but they've stayed remote where it's like being there every day really does matter. Even if you're kind of dejected or whatever, mm-hmm. you still, I, I still get juiced up from just being around my work and kind of thinking about it. So to go back to your original question, it's, it starts where either have an idea for the text, you know, I'm reading about something like, I I mean, in kind of going back to the positivity, I consider myself sort of like a positive nihilist. Like, so for one that I posted that has been decently popular, it's going to be in a show in Baltimore. Um, when does this come out? Uh, it has a flexibility. Okay. So this, this art show that I'm in is on uh, January 29th. Um, so it either will be about to happen or has happened. And if it has happened, it went great. Um, <laughs> if not, eh. if not, say <laughs> la vie, baby. Um, so it's at the Gormley gallery at what is now Notre Dame university in Baltimore. Um, opening January 29th. Um, but it's this piece called you will die. Earth will burn, hold nothing back. And it is. So originally, um, an art friend of mine who goes Sarah barn, she goes by Sarah barn fart on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> great, great name. Um, <laughs> she came and sat for me and, you know, we were having, we usually try to have a conversation with people for at least a half an hour to kind of like get to know them more. I knew her a little bit, but she was like, yeah, I think I'm going to quit visual art and be in a punk band. I actually haven't heard the update on that. So I hope it's good, but she's, it's like, Oh, sweet. That's cool but I had her do kind of like a mean mugging face for me. And so that was the face. And then at the same time, this sort of UN climate report came out and some scientists like quote tweeted it. And he was just like, look, man, your individual carbon footprint doesn't mean shit. You should just like try to live a good life and not worry about like buying a Tesla or something and thinking that you're doing something good. Um, which is also my personal opinion. It's kind of like, you know what? Sure. Compost if it's good for you, but I don't scold other people. Um, so, so that was kind of like, Oh, okay. Then it really usually starts with like a longer thought, um, of like, all right, well, we're all going to die someday. (laughs) The earth is, is what it is. So if you want to do something now, do it. Like I, so in my spare time, I ride a motorcycle and I have people, most of the time people are like, Oh, that's so dangerous, which boring, but <laughs> occasionally people are like, Oh, I really want to do that someday. And I'm like, well, you know, let's say as long as money's not an issue, when, if not now, 
You know what I mean? And I think that's my personality generally anyway, is kind of like, yeah, I want to do that thing. And if I can, if it's not going to like, you know, break the bank, I'm going to do that thing. Yeah, um, but, but to go back to the piece, so that that's how that all came together. And then the background was kind of like this, you know, green toxic air over a like mountain and a red moon. Um, and I had seen, so the other place that I like look for images is just random photographers and things on Instagram. But, um, I also am a huge fan of the visionary game director, Hideo Kojima, who did death stranding and metal gear, but he'll often just tweet or post on Instagram about movies. And he posted, um, this image. And I think it was like some like, like giant bug horror movie from the seventies. I forget what it's called, but it had this very cool, like dark silhouette of a mountain and then like a red sun behind it. So I kind of had that image printed out. I had this picture of Sarah printed out and it was on a big, I like working on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. So this 40 by 30 canvas. So I had a pretty good idea of what the images were going to be. You know, I definitely wanted the background visible um, and her face to look really intense. And then I was kind of like, I think this will work really well for the, you know, now trying to shorten it down to like, you will die, earth will burn, (laughs) hold nothing back. Um, Like I'm not trying to, I think it's hard not to toe the line between like, again, going back to advertising, some like cheesy thing that you would hear in like a Nike ad or something. I don't think (laughs) Nike, I don't think a company trying to sell shoes, whatever, like remind you that you'll die someday. Um, Just do it guys. (laughs) Yeah, just do it. Um, But that's kind of how one will come together. Um, Other times, like I'm working on one right now um, that will maybe be finished by the time this comes out of my good friend of mine from high school. His name is Andrew Adams and he is a movie director. Um, He just finished doing his first like feature length self-financed movie. Um, And he's somebody just artistically we've kind of, grown to get like been able to learn a a ton from him, even though it's totally kind of separate world over time. And somebody he knows took this beautiful picture of him. He's got like kind of long hair now. And so that one's pretty straightforward because it's like, well, I've seen his face a million times in my life. So I've kind of got a good idea of that. And then he has a very cool tattoo that is like phases of the moon. So on the so I did like a couple colors for his face. And then I did the phases of the moon kind of like above the the skin of it. So it'll be visible under the frown lines and wrinkles under his eyes or whatever, but it's just kind of another layer on there. And then I was kind of thinking about, there are some seventies director. I want to say it was maybe like Cassavetes. I don't know exactly, but he described kind of like when making a movie, you know, he would, they would shoot all the scenes during the day and then maybe be in one location and the whole cast and crew, everybody would have dinner that night. And he would say, you know, everything we're doing within the time that this is being shot, like this is the movie, everything that happens after is something else, you know, when it's edited, when it is marketed, when it's packaged for the public. So then I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that one will just be called like, this is the movie, like your life is the movie. You gotta just own that part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, so it's stuff like that. Um, and kind of like really running those ideas through your mind until you can distill them or 
you know, figure out a different path or sometimes be like, eh, I don't know if that's that good of an idea. And then a year from now, but it kind of needed to come out and a year from now, maybe I'll paint over it or something. What, what, what you were describing at a point reminded me of this, this thing, this approach that I've been trying to do um, to, to get things done. And it's essentially like riding the wave. Right. And I mm-hmm. think often when you're a self-taught person in, in that kind of creative spot, you're, you're just riding a wave and you get it done is, is, and, and I get that, that that's probably true for you. Right. Are, are there moments where, and I think you touched on it, that you're critiquing your own work and does it really have a huge impact on maybe the amount of work that you're putting out or how you, you might be a little gun shy, like, you know what, I'm going to a smaller canvas or I'm going to use less of this color. This didn't pop the way that I wanted to, or maybe just, you know, many changes that come to mind. What, what does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of like the good thing about painting is you can, for the most part, course correct during, you know, it's not like uh, pencil work where you can't erase it or something. At the same time, sometimes you get just too far in. Like I kind of think of assembling colors like a puzzle or like Tetris almost. So when you get to the end, there's only like the weird L shape and it's got to go here because if it goes here, you lose. And then not really losing, but it's going to kind of fuck up. And so sometimes you get to the end and you're like, God damn it. What have I done? But then, you know, other people will attach to it too. So yes, I do ride the wave. I do try to be pretty organized though. And I like, I mean, honestly, every time I see somebody who's more organized than me and they have a technique and that I think will work for myself, I steal that. So, (laughs) and then try to keep myself accountable. So when I was with my same filmmaker friend a couple of years ago, he was doing some of these kind of like, um, you know, travel videos that end up being posted on Facebook. And we, I was with him in New Mexico. We went to visit this metal artist mm-hmm. and the metal artist had this huge fabrication warehouse. It was really cool, but he also had a big ass whiteboard that was like divided into, you know, what am I working on? What is the collector getting, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of adopted a very similar thing. It's like, what is the, you know, what are the social media things this week? What am I working on right now? And then here's the, like, at the bottom is the idea dump of just like, I've thought of some things. I don't know if they're really going to be anything, um, so I would say within those parameters, I ride the wave, yeah. but in terms of making the work, uh, you know, I rarely leave things that are unfinished. Um, like I do try to finish them, even if when I like, when I know that it's done, I'm just like, eh, that was maybe like a C plus or a B, but, but it was just like, okay, well, the idea wasn't refined enough or whatever. But, and again, it's like, well, the canvas doesn't have like a hole kicked in it. I'll just paint over it in a year or something. But, but I try to post everything to Instagram because you never, the other thing is that sometimes you're not the best judge of your own work. Some people really attach to things that I don't like that much of my own things and some shit that I'm really excited about people could care less about. <laughs> I, I, this is, this is a thing that I run into regularly when putting out episodes. I'm like, yeah, that, this was a really good one. It's like, eh, it's fine. Or wow. I can't believe this person said that. I was like, the audio quality was dog shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a thing. And I, I, I look at riding the wave sometimes and I, I agree with it. Having that kind of structure here's the bumpers around what i'm doing yeah but i look at riding a wave of like for me i'll 
you know what do they say uh measure twice cut once i'll mm-hmm. just keep measuring and then oh i, I see anything. so i just have to be in a spot where i'm just like not saying no and you know within reason obviously and kind of one of the things you touched on because age has befallen us it's like <laughs> bid by 10 10 30 i need because i'm getting up at five something and to, to make the donuts and the donuts or podcasts yeah. and, um, and do the day job. And with, with in riding that wave, it's like, all right, I'm not going to do more than three episodes in a day because you're, you're, you're on and you're talking and you also got to preserve your voice too, as your that's your instrument. That's your paintbrush. It's my gold. No. <laughs> it's your gold. In addition to the research you do for these episodes, but oh, you yeah. know, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that also I think from the the component of you're learning you're you're taking in a lot that comes from people. So you're learning about like, oh wow, you had something that really crappy happened and that's in this work and you you have to process that stuff and it's a lot of stuff that's sitting there and you you want to be able to give everything it's due again within reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't want to do two interviews before you. And then I'm like, I got nothing for Charlie. I got right. nothing. Well, for and you're just like no energy, whatever. <laughs> True. And, and, then, no. and then it's just cocaine and Red Bull. And that's that, you know? <laughs> who, who wants to do that? Right. It's just crazy. Yeah. Ah! Then you're taking a picture of it. It's like, yeah, Rob, just act really crazy. You're all going to die. <laughs> it's just, your heart will explode. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do, we can do the amphetamine version, put that on the Patreon, just <laughs> take some Adderall and then do the part two. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so you, your work has been shown in DC, Maryland, Virginia, and internationally, um, Poland, Slovenia, and uh, Japan. Um, is there is there one exhibit that really sticks out to you and, and why and like or any experience attached to an exhibit that sticks out on why? Yeah. So the Slovenia one I'll talk about. Um, so in 2018, I went to this self-taught artist. Um, it was sort of a like short term residency. It was 10 days in kind of the middle of nowhere, but beautiful Slovenia. Um, a town called Trebne, but it's like T-R-E-B-N-J-E, uh, those like Slavic pronunciations, a lot of, a lot of consonants in there. Um, (laughs) and, um, this was another, this was something that my friend Matt, who I mentioned earlier helped kind of identify for me. Um, but it was basically myself and 10 other self-taught artists, kind of like all ranges of career. I would think I was on the younger end. It was more, I would say it was like more mid to established, you know, self-taught artists in Europe, which they call naive art, which I kind of like. Um, and so I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm like, you know, one uh, American and try not to be an asshole there, but <laughs> flew, you fly into Croatia Mm-hmm. Um, which was also very cool. You know, they have like old Soviet jets just like rotting on the tarmac uh, with commercial planes. And then I spent like a day and a half there and they come pick you up and you're in this like little village, you know, where they had, they had like two bars, a few restaurants, but no movie theater to kind of give you an idea of the size of it. It was pretty small, uh, pretty residential. And we were in the like one hotel in town and then across the street was the self-taught artist center, um, just kind of a little two-story municipal building and everybody had their own little station. And basically they were like, you know, make whatever you want. We just need to keep one thing for us. Um, but otherwise it's kind of like do whatever you want, make whatever you want. But it was, I would say, aside from what I made there, um, it was just getting to meet other artists. And especially at that point, you know, I, I was still at the kind of like, what in the hell am I doing? 
phase of this. Um, and I should also say that it was very nicely, totally funded by the Slovenian government. So like the lodging and the flight was, and most of the meals provided that you ate them at the hotel. <laughs> and it was like very heavy because Slovenia used to be part of Italy. So it was like oh, right. pastas and heavy meat stuff. Um, there was one vegetarian in our group who was from like Finland or something and she had a bad time, but um, <laughs> also just complained about everything. Um, but it was just very cool to meet all these other people and especially these two artists from France. Uh, Marc Boulier was this very kind older man who did like carvings, all these very intricate carvings. Um, I'm forgetting the other artist's name. Sorry if she were to listen to this in English, but um, it was just very cool to kind of like connect with some other people and not really feel like a fraud in some ways. Totally. Um, especially because I think I, I have to be honest, I don't know the total like feel of the Baltimore art scene, but I will say in DC, you know, I, I'm not sure that I fit there compared to what most people are doing. You know, it seems very MFA, very like, um, you know, fine objects to have in your home. And I mean, I have like cool objects to have in your home, but I think going somewhere else and being around these other people almost validated what I was doing more for, you know, to keep doing it. And then they were like, Oh, have you done the outsider art fair in Poland? Which was how I ended up applying to that show. Or like, Oh, have you thought about all these other things? Just kind of. And I think it's also the general kind of like being in the U S you're just looking at more U S centric stuff. Whereas going to Slovenia, having all these people from a whole bunch of other different European countries, that particular time, they've had other, you know, even more geographically diverse people in future ones. Um, but doing that was super cool. And just getting to meet all these like interesting people in this little town, aside from the art stuff. Um, and I hope you can like apply again. So I'd love to go back some other time in the future, just to kind of see how it's changed and, and then try to do more of the work that I'm doing now. there. kind of like meet some local people um, and paint them and kind of get their story and incorporate it into the pieces. Cause at that time, I think I was still kind of doing things that didn't really have a unifying theme to them or anything. That's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that experience. That's, that's really cool. Sure. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was a blast and uh Slovenian wine. Very good. Fantastic. So I think, I think we're going to wrap on that is that last real question. And now it's time to get weird. Okay. With some rapid fire questions. Let's go. So I have, Five rapid fire questions for you. Um, answer these as briefly as you can. Um, okay. How do you know when a painting is good? Um, if it makes you feel anything. I was, was going to say, like, if you haven't kicked a hole through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to buy it for the purpose of taking it to a gun range and just like <laughs> bl blowing 80 holes in it. That's great. Um, on what occasion do you lie? Um, <laughs> when I go to friends' dinner, it's <laughs> like that was a little loose. That creme brulee is not tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> that loose brulee, dude. Um, ooh. Um, I think probably probably to preserve someone's feelings. If if the ask is not really for my unvarnished opinion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I would do more like a white lie. I would just be like, yeah, it was fine. 
I wouldn't be like, I, I try not to be enthusiastic about things that I don't actually like, but yeah. it's not, it's not important to be like, yo, that shit sucked. If it was, <laughs> if it was somebody asking me one-on-one -on -one about a thing, unless they were like, you know, I'm here for the pain or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had the same vibe, and I find that even if I try to be mindful and spare someone's feelings, my face lies on me, and my face yeah. tells me. It's just like, <laughs> like sorry. It was, it was fine. Oh, this is dog shit. <laughs> um, when do you talk about your art? Is it is it all is it all the time kind of thing? Is it purely for podcasts such as this one? Is it uh, in the market to random strangers? When do you have the opportunity to talk about your art? Yeah, um, this might be a little bit of a longer one. So it's like right now, right now, you know, I'm in the in the fortunate but different place of two lives, where the one life is a very boring kind of buttoned up day job, and it doesn't really come up unless someone has a. Someone, I mean, everybody knows in my job, I like put that in the like interesting things about me, but a lot of people don't give a shit about art or painting or whatever. And that's fine. Um, so I think if somebody has a particular interest in my, you know, uh, nine to five life, then it comes up very enthusiastically. Um, when I am in person, I'm fortunate that my office is right by Blick. So sometimes it's like, oh, hi, guys. I was just at lunch. Don't mind me. <laughs> but I'm not like fishing for chatting about it with people who don't care. Um, I think it comes up as frequently as it can. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of like that. I'm, if I'm at home for the night and I'm playing Halo or something or I'm just chilling out with my wife or whatever, you know, we're not talking about it 24-7. I do think that she often has good ideas, especially around promoting things on social media. So it'll come up that way. Um, I think, you know, she's a very savvy consumer of Instagram, but also like good Instagram posts. So, uh, and it just great ideas generally. So I have kind of a side hustle doing these greeting cards also, and she's got great ideas there too. So it'll come up there. And then kind of like, if I see an opportunity, you know, if I overhear somebody talking about art, which has happened before, I mean, I always try to have a business card or something on me to just kind of like shoot your shot. What's the worst that could happen? They throw it in the trash. Oh, well, um, they just rip it up in front of you. Yeah. They're like, don't ever fucking talk to me. <laughs> like, <again."> dick. <laughs> like, damn. Okay. You're just like, all right. I'm just going to get out of here. But Hey, it made you feel, it made you feel something. Was it just okay? So it's art guys. <laughs> so it's art. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think like for family members, um, I don't know how much they care. My brother and I talk about it probably the most because he is also a creative person. He's a writer and performer. So I think there's enough overlap. And I think sometimes, you know, it's fun to send him things where he'll be like, eh, you know, it doesn't really do anything for me or like, oh, that looks cool or whatever. Um, so kind of getting that other outside input. That's, that's what brothers are really good for. Like I have probably to my brother and one of my good friends, um, Torn, who was also my, my co-host um, on my other podcast, they'll just tell me, it's like, oh, that was trash or <laughs> you are whack. And um, so it's, it's really honest. And it's like, I got nothing to gain from like, like dick riding. So yeah. whatever. And um, but are, they, what, are they as forthcoming on the praise? Uh, they, they are. They are okay, very, good. very much so. And it's gotten to a point where it's minimal on the, on the shade. It's more like, no, no, you're, you're in the right lane. You're, you're, that's good. It. 
And um, so it's it's automatically there. And um, because I, I, I like puns and I Ooh, like same. ridiculous things. So it's just like, oh, you know, like I call myself the Midnight Snack. That's a nickname <laughs> that I have. Or the American Wave. It's it's a lot of different bullshit that comes out of my mouth that I'm trying to get over. Um, okay, last two. Um, okay. What are you playing these days? You said you're a gamer. I am a gamer. Um, okay, so my wife um, very nicely secured me an Xbox Series X over the holidays. So I'm playing a lot of Halo. Um, I really hope they fix Big Team Battle because right now... I would say you can get into like every fifth match, but most of the time it'll crash and you have to completely restart the game. Um, when it's not broken, it's super fun. It kind of, it really reminds me of playing like Xbox 360 with friends. Um, so I'm playing that. And then I'm actually, once that's, I mean, I've got like a no new games, um, policy from now until I have a solo show coming up in May yeah. at home gallery in DC. So I've got game pass on the Xbox, which is somewhat of a loophole, but like, mm-hmm. um, like the Xbox is going to my dad, honestly, when I'm about to be away at this other residency, so he can play Microsoft flight simulator. Um, but yeah, playing a lot of halo right now. So if you see me on Xbox live, my gamer tag is the same as my Instagram. Uh, please don't curse at me. Like many people with headsets too. <laughs> It's funny. Uh, so this is the last one I have, and this is the weirdest. And, and I think it's esoteric, but because okay. we're about the same age, you should get this reference. Okay. Are you more Charlie Brown or Charlie the Tuna? Ooh. Um, I think Charlie the Tuna, probably. <laughs> I don't I would say I don't I don't like I don't have clinical depression, which I think most of the peanuts did. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I think most of the peanuts had clinical depression. But you have a dog. Uh, do have a dog. Um, and he's arguably cooler than me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're probably more Charlie the Tuna, just sort of like a goof and like at, at my best big and kind of draw others in with my energy. I appreciate that. And we're you- both selling something. I appreciate that you rode the wave on that one. Cause I was like, <laughs> is this Charlie the two, the question going to work? <laughs> I, That's I, great. I, I spent so much time on that question. I was like, is this stupid? No, dude, that was great. So uh, sin- sincerely, very much appreciated that. Well, cheers. Um, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for, for, for being on this podcast and, um, and just, and just sharing some of your background and some of your story. And um, I want to invite you to shamelessly plug um, anything that you want to website, social media, all of that good stuff. Sure. Well, number one, thank you so much for having me, Rob. I I really appreciate it. This has been super fun. Um, Yeah. So website is visconage.com, V-I-S-C-O-N-A-G.com. I bought it so that my cousins and my siblings can get it. Sorry. Um, and then I'm my, uh, first name, middle initial Visconage, CA Visconage on Instagram. Um, I had that show coming up at the Gormley gallery at Notre Dame university, uh, January 29th. And then I have a solo show coming up here in DC on May 7th at Hom gallery, which is at 52 O street, Northwest. Yep. Northwest DC. And it'll be starting at 6 PM. So I hope I hope you can come. I hope listeners can come. Um, working on a lot of stuff for that. I'm going to try to do some other fun things. And I have a possible guest recommendation, but also Baltimore area musician, my friend, Matt Chaconis, who goes by the name Shining Seconds. He's kind of a electronic ambient music guy. Yeah. Uh, he is working with me. He's making a custom ambient 90 minutes of 
new music to go along with the solo show. Nice. So there will be an audio experience along with the visuals. It's delightful. So there you have it, folks. I want to thank you again, Charlie, for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So for Charlie Visconage, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around your city. You just got to look for it. Oh,